Welcome to PMA Takes on Tech, the podcast that explores the problems, solutions, people, and ideas that are shaping the future of the produce industry. I'm your host, Bonnie Estes, Vice President of Technology for the Produce Marketing Association, and I've spent years in the ag tech sector. So I can attest, it's hard to navigate this ever-changing world in developing and adopting new solutions to industry problems. Thanks for joining us and for allowing us to serve as your guide to the new world of produce and technology. My goal of the podcast is to outline a problem in the produce industry and then discuss several possible solutions that can be deployed today. Stout Industrial Technology collaborates with customers to build and launch industrial technology solutions that are designed to last. The Smart Cultivator combines a proprietary, agriculturally proven mechanical platform with Stout True Vision technology to eliminate weeds and cultivate ground in a single pass. Visit stoutagtech.com. That's S-T-O-U-T-A-G-T-E-C-H.com to learn more. With little farming land, Singapore imports over 90% of the food consumed in the country. The food at local markets mainly comes from overseas. In 2019, the government announced its 30 by 30 policy agenda, aiming to produce at least 30% of its nutritional needs domestically by 2030, while also strengthening and securing its external food sources. In April 2020, the Singapore Food Agency established the $22.6 million 30 by 30 Express Grant Scheme to help local agri-food producers rapidly increase production in three key categories, eggs, fish, and leafy vegetables. In September 2020, nine urban farms were offered $29 million grants by the Singapore Food Agency as part of efforts to support the growth of local agri-food enterprises and ramp up local food production over the next 24 months. And then in February 2021, the Singapore government announced that it will dedicate $45.2 million for a new agritech fund that will focus on supporting farmers through the use of technology that ultimately boosts domestic food production. The purpose of the Agri-Food Cluster Transformation Fund is to help farmers through the use of technology in local food production. So there's much focus by the government to develop technology and produce food in and for Singapore. Singapore is also a financial hub with a number of investors willing to put money into early stage technologies, along with a talented and trained workforce. Today, we will hear from three very different voices on what is happening in Singapore in ag tech. First, Benny Chung from SG Innovate will talk about the companies they are investing in at this time and why food and ag are important. Next, we will hear from Feng Yok Un, who with her husband is building a vertical farm. And finally, from Adrian Tio from Demoto, a global commerce solution company for the produce market. Let's drop into the conversation with Benny. We have with us Benny Chung from SG Innovate in Singapore. Welcome to the show, Benny. Hi, thank you for having me. Hi, Bonnie. Hi. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself and also your role at SG Innovate. 
Okay, so you've, you've got my, my, my name already. I'm Benny Chung. I'm an assistant director here at SG Innovate. And I focus on the agri-food uh, investments that we do as a company. Um, so SG Innovate is a Singapore government-backed uh, early-stage D-Tech venture capital firm. Um, we focus on a number of areas of interest, um, and these include agri-food, um, smart manufacturing, healthcare and biomedical sciences, and sustainability. Um, so it, in a nutshell, that's that's what we do, but we, we also focus on investments uh, from the seed stage all the way up to Series B for a first investment. Ah. Uh, and we also have a global investment mandate, so we're not just limited to uh, investments in Singapore itself. Um, we've done investments, uh, for example, in the United States and Israel, um, and interestingly, all the way in Estonia. Um, so it's a good mix right there. Yeah, great. So what do you personally focus on? Do you focus on all those areas or do you focus more on the food side or what, what's your specialty? Yeah, so I, I focus very much on agri-food. Um, and and the, the way that we approach agri-food investment, uh, we are a bit of an early stage seeker fund of sorts. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure uh, our listeners here today would be very familiar with the likes of Tomasic or GIC, or at, at least heard of these companies. Uh -huh. um, so they, they are um, our primary um, investors in a number of different areas. So we try and identify the up and coming uh, trends, investment trends um, in uh, the, the areas that we invest in. So in agri-food, we look at things that we have not um, invested just yet, uh, but could be interesting for them in the next two to five years. Um, and we focus on um, investments where there is a technology defensibility. Um, so for us, that, that's where we would uh, try and catch an early wave and, and take the early risk um, and identify uh, possible winners in the next couple of years. Oh, that's that's fascinating. That that kind of brings me to my next question of just talking about the ecosystem. So you mm -hmm. kind of serve a, a little bit as a feeder to of identifying those trends earlier than some of the maybe the larger investment companies, you know, yep. um, would. So tell us about the ag tech ecosystem, and it really seems to be growing and thriving in Singapore. Um, so what what does it look like, and what so, sorts of companies are involved? Okay. Um, well, that's uh, a question with probably a very, very long answer. So, uh, <laughs> in there. Um, so as, as a country, we're not a very big country. Um, as our listeners, I think, would know, uh, Singapore is a tiny place. Um, it doesn't even compare to some of the cities in the United States in terms of geographic size. Um, but interestingly, although we only have, say, about 1-2% of our land use uh, for agriculture, we produce 10% uh, of our food uh, just from that, which okay. isn't too bad, uh, but it's just 10%. Um, so the Singapore government, you know, we have, we have seen all of the disruptions posed by, um, you know, COVID-19 um, with the issues around the Swiss Canal. Um, and food security, food resilience is, is a, a big topic for us. Um, so the Singapore government, um, through the Singapore Food Agency, which is the, the regulator here in Singapore, very similar to uh, the FDA or somewhat similar to the FDA in the, in the States, um, set a, a target uh, of producing 30% of our nutritional needs by 2030. So very catchy, 30 by 30. Um, we are doing this in a number of different ways. On the agricultural side, um, there, there is a push towards automation, towards um, providing um, more land for, for uh, our agricultural needs. Um, so we're developing, for example, a, a agricultural park 
very similar in, in many ways to a business park. Um, 18 hectares, which isn't big by, by United States standards, but in Singapore, it's a big deal. Um, and in uh, the northern part of the country, where we will be, um, you know, setting aside land for farms, um, and for poultry, for for livestock, for for um, the, the the growth of, of different crops. Um, so we're looking into that space. Uh, we're encouraging the people also to look into having their own um, family plots, if you will. Uh, a lot of the the people here in Singapore live in high rise uh, flats um, and, and condominiums and so forth. Um, but we're using uh, some of the spaces available, even in this, in these um, flats, to to have little plots of of um, you know homemade um, gardens, if you will. Um, so we're, we're encouraging that um, in small ways, so that people you know have have a feel for that. Um, so that's at, at that level. Um, at a corporate side, there are a number of different um, companies involved in agriculture in Singapore. Um, uh, it starts all the way from the, the producer side. So I've, I've briefly mentioned about the farms um, that, that produce our, our uh, agricultural crops and I work with livestock. So we've got a number of these sorts of companies. A number of them are modernizing. Um, so just the other day in the news, there was this um, sheep farm that is moving into a six-story uh, facility, I think in the next year or the year after, Wow. Uh, where, you know, they will be able to, to take care of all of the sheep um, in a clean uh, way, keep them comfortable, make sure that the temperatures are all right for them, no stress. Uh, so that there, there are things that we are doing around um, these areas um, together with the corporates here in Singapore. So you've got the producers along further, further down the line. You've got uh, folks that help with the food processing. You've got folks that help with the supply chains. So... Um, and this is a company that you've already heard of. Uh, it's a portfolio company of ours, Dimuto, that does um, the supply chain uh, and logistics uh, for fruits as a start. They're looking at other, um, other you know, products as well, but fruits is, is a first start. Um, and they have signed a number of different deals with, with uh, different companies all around the world, but you know, it's, it's all built from Singapore. So we've got the producers, we've got the uh, people down the middle in food processing and, and supply chain and logistics. We've also got a big emphasis on food and food tech. Um, so, you know, we've got the likes of Grab based here in Singapore that does, you know, food, food delivery. You've got um, so many different restaurants from so, so many different places. Um, and uh, you've got, all, of course, all of the new up and coming food tech companies developing new ingredients, new foods. Um, so it's, it's a really you know, growing and vibrant ecosystem of, of food and agri uh, players that we have in the country, but we're looking, of course, to grow it out. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention is um, Bueller and Givaudan, the, the large food processing companies, they, are, they have a joint uh, lab that they're setting up opening end of this month, actually, um, looking at plant-based uh, food processing. So, you know, exciting things are happening in, in, in Singapore. I'm happy to dive more into each of these if there's time for that. But Great. again, sorry, long answer to uh, what should have been a, uh, it's a short question, but a long answer. Yeah, well, there's a lot going on, so you have to answer yeah. long. So you mentioned the 30 by 30 from the government. So is the government actually putting money in? Is the government mm -hmm. one of the investors in, in trying to build the ecosystem? Yeah, so the, the, the Singapore government does uh, provide a fair amount of support. Some of it's financial, some of it is through you know, different initiatives and schemes and programs. Um, 
scheme stands to have a bit of a negative connotation overseas. Um, but here in Singapore, you know, scheme is, is a fairly neutral word. It's just you know, a, pro a program. Um, but we, we do have a number of these initiatives that the government has put forward. Um, the, the government, Singapore government acts as a catalyst um, in a number of different ways. We don't intend to crowd out uh, private sector investment. It's, it's just the, the kickstart um, what was already happening. Um, so there, there has been a lot of interest in uh, from, from agri-food players uh, to come into Singapore to do something here in Singapore. But we just want to kickstart that, move that along a lot faster um, and then let private sector take over. Um, but to your, 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 directly to your question and to your point, uh, we, for example, have a $144 million set aside um, in the next couple of years to, to fund a number of these initiatives. Uh, and, and hopefully, you know, when more and more private sector players are, are coming in, setting up facilities, um, putting in their resources, and government can then taper back um, some of this, these initiatives, some of this funding, um, and let private sector run with that. Um, so yeah, so again, in a nutshell, the Singapore government is here to help, but not to crowd out the private sector and, and take over the private sector's good work. So in funding new technologies and new companies, um, where does the money come from them? I mean, they, there's companies like you, but are there other investors that um, are involved? Do corporates help fund technology? And are there, are there other investors outside of Singapore that, that invest in technology in Singapore? Oh, yeah, for sure. So um, regionally, Singapore is, is a financial hub um, in Asia. Um, and so, so that extends also to, to venture capital and private equity investment. Um, so I've, I've already briefly uh, covered some of the um, public sector investment entities here in Singapore. So there's SG Innovate, there's GIC. There's also um, EDBI, which represents the Economic Development Board. So there are a number of these uh, players, but there's also you know, a, a very large private sector um, interest that we have as well. Um, a number of these firms are based here in Singapore. Um, and, and they invest uh, very heavily in ag food or they're starting to, to, to invest more heavily in ag food. Um, so we've got a full gamut here of, of accelerators, incubators, uh, going up to you know, your VCs, your private equity firms. Um, a number of the, the corporates also have invested alongside uh, some of these uh, financial investors. So, so um, corporate VCs or, or the corporate arms themselves come in and invest directly off the balance sheet. So we've got that. Um, and because of our status as a financial hub, a number of um, foreign entities have also you know, decided that this is a good place to invest. Um, and setting aside the fact that we are a financial hub, you know, we are also a hub for science and technology in the region. Um, so we've got a number of, of uh, great facilities here, state-of-the-art facilities, people who, who have been well-trained, um, who, who speak a number of different languages. I, I, I speak to one not very well, but um, I speak to a number of, of uh, Singaporeans are able to do at least two. Um, so it, this is a, a center of, of uh, commerce, of science and technology. So it, it does bring together a number of different actors who are interested to invest, to, to support uh, companies growing out of Singapore. This may be hard to answer because I'm sure it's different for every single person. But, you know, a lot of the people in the U.S. Um, that go into ag tech and really are trying to develop technology for food grew up on a farm. And that's mm -hmm. their background. And that's what they know. Um, yep. We also have a number of people who are uh, people who grew up here where I live in Silicon Valley and they're the tech side and they try to take that to agriculture. What's 
since there are not that many people in Singapore that grew up on a farm, um, mm -hmm. how, do, how do people get interested in agriculture and food? Like, where does that interest come from? Okay. A uh, number of ways to, to answer this question. Uh, first of all, Singapore is, is a foodie nation. Um, <laughs> we, we, we come from many different lands. So, you know, our, our, our folks, our ancestors, they came from um, places like China, India, the, the, the Malay archipelago around us. Um, so the one way that has helped connect all of the people here in Singapore is, is through food. So that's, that's oh, you know, it has always been an, an, an area of interest. Um, and there, there are some uniquely Singaporean dishes that you wouldn't find anywhere else thanks to the, the mix that we have. Uh, so in the first place, the, the nation as a whole, uh, the, the people here are naturally inclined and predisposed to be interested in food. That's the first thing. Um, the second thing is, uh, it, in spite of our small land size, um, actually historically, a number of people grew up on small uh, family plots, tiny, really tiny by, by uh, global standards, but we, we, we lived in um, at least my parents' generation or the, my, my grandparents and, and the ones before them, they lived in, in tiny family plots uh, where they could grow their own fruits and all of that. So my, my mom has a lot of stories about growing all sorts of uh, different fruits, durian, which is not very popular overseas, but there's durian, there's papayas and all of that. Um, so the, the older generation, they still have memories of, of their, their own family plots of growing all of these things, of being self-reliant, of, of putting food on the table through their own hard work, uh, you know, doing it and in, in, in growing it by themselves um, and fishing and all of that. So we've, we've had that uh, historically. It's, it's just as the country has modernized in the last 50 years, uh, some of that has gone away, but our natural interest uh, towards food, you know, the older generation's interest in, in growing um, their, their own food that I think hasn't quite gone away just yet. So there are, you know, people who are still interested to, you know, for one, get into food because they're interested in it. Two, to re rediscover their roots and to, to, to find out what exactly it was that their parents or their grandparents found interesting. So there are, there are, there are these... Um, factors at play. Uh, I, I can't say that everybody would naturally be interested in food just because of these two factors, but uh, are naturally interested in going to food as a career or agriculture as a career because of these two factors. But uh, these two factors, I think, have helped uh, a number of people rediscover agriculture in Singapore and want to take part in, in growing the space. Um, so again, a long answer to a short question. <laughs> no, that's fascinating. It's really interesting. You you just wonder how people end up, you know, getting excited by food, and um, those are those are great reasons. So, are there any technologies that you see are needed? You know, are any any solutions um, that technologies could solve that you see are needed that aren't being developed, or that you're hoping new technologies will start um, being developed? Does that, make, does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it does. Um, we, we are excited about a number of, of, of different things. Um, on the agricultural side, uh, I, I think we're we excited to find ways to reduce um, the incidence and prevalence of disease in, in crops and uh, in, 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 in livestock and in fish stock. Um, so that's one of the directions in which we are exploring. Um, uh, you know, whether it's, it's possible to um, develop better vaccines or probiotics or, or um, uh, products of that nature in which we can then help increase these yields and reduce uh, disease. Um, that's one aspect that we, we are 
exploring. The other, I think, in, in agriculture is to, to maximize or to increase yield. Um, I think the green revolution in the 60s uh, did already show that, but uh, a lot of it is, is geared towards countries where, by and large, the, there, there's plenty of space. So in a, a country like Singapore, where there's not a lot of space, we're still trying to see how we can bring up the, the yields. Um, and that's something that that's something else that we're considering as well, um, so that we can surpass our 30 by 30 goal. Um, on the food side, we are looking at, um, at different things that we, we could potentially do. Um, I think as a, we, we have gotten to a point here in Singapore where we've modernized, we've become a, a first world country of sorts. We've, we've got, gotten all of the developed world um, issues, if you will, around obesity and, and diabetes and all of these uh, chronic conditions. So we, we are looking at um, what we could do to uh, replace, for example, or, or reduce fat and sugar and salt um, and yet not compromise on taste. Because um, one, one thing that consumers can't quite get around, even though they want healthier food, is, is you know eating less tasty food. They can't deal with that. Mm-hmm. So you, if you want healthier food, you will still need to maintain, at least maintain the taste, if not make it tastier. So that we are looking at uh, new ingredients that could potentially play that role on the food side. So broadly speaking, in, in terms of themes, those are uh, things that interest us very much. Uh, we're looking for new, technolo- new technologies in, in these areas. So a lot of the companies in Singapore, when they develop products or they look at building a company, are they looking at um, mostly the Singapore market or are they mostly looking at, we're going to make a product here and then sell it to the global market or some mix of both? Well, it's it's uh, probably more of the latter. Um, the, the market here in Singapore is tiny. Uh, we've got about five, just over 5 million, close to 6 million people in Singapore. If we want to compete on a global stage, uh, we can't just sell for this market. So uh, all of the startups that we invest in, we, we need them to have a, a global mindset. We would love for their businesses to be anchored here in Singapore um, so they can do all of the, the R&D here, product development here. But if the sales, the target market for sales um, is only Singapore, um, that's not interesting. Um, it's it's uh, not going to be a global winner. Um, and for us, we need to be touching about our way because um, otherwise we would be, to be very frank, an ins- insignificant spec uh, on a global map. Um, so we're pushing towards um, you know, having all of our companies here in Singapore adopt that global mindset where it's great to be anchored here in Singapore, but you also need to think about how you can reach uh, the global market, how you can sell to different people overseas. Uh, and that's really the goal uh, for companies here in Singapore. I used to work in industrial biotech for some period of time and um, worked for a company that we had a lab in Singapore and the we worked through the economic development group and just the incentives to um, have a lab in Singapore were really good, the financial incentives. And then the the talent was amazing. You know, the, the people that we could get um, to work for us that were really good biologists, um, were, you know, was surpassed in many different places. So, you know, you've got, you've got a lot of advantages there, you know, of, of having some support and then having really great talent, talent. So that that's a great place to build companies for sure. Oh, thank you for your kind words. We, we do need, to, uh, we can't rest on our laurels. So it's a lot of pushing up and then above and beyond where we can. Yeah. Yeah. 
So can you, um, can you talk a little bit about the companies that you're currently either just invested in or think, you know, you probably can't talk about the ones you haven't invested in, but um, just kind of what are some of the investments that you've done recently is my last question. Okay. Um, so here in Singapore, um, that we invested in Dimoto, like I mentioned earlier, uh, there are a couple of other companies that we invested in. Um, I, I think for us as a company, we're focused a bit more, slightly more on the food side. So we, we for example, invested in a company called AI Palette uh, that um, does a bit of social listening, social media listening, and identifies food trends that are upcoming. Um, so to just give an example, there, there was a little bit of food trend uh, a couple of years ago where um, there was this uh, salted egg yolk mix. It may, may sound a bit weird to, to foreign listeners, but uh, salted egg yolk mix, uh, which has this very nice um, uh, savory feel um, to it. Um, and people started adding it to all sorts of different products, so you salty egg yolk burger and, and all of that. Um, so the problem for FMCGs is identifying when such trends occur. And AI Palette is able to do that through social listening. So. Uh, and, and this trend, um, if I may take a step back, well, it, it came up because a cafe started serving certain products that included this, this product, uh, the salted egg yolk mix. And people started sharing on social media, this is, this is great, this is wonderful, it tastes mm. fantastic, smells great, you know, all of that. Um, and people started picking it up um, and it went cafe to cafe to cafe, they, they started copying that. But FMCGs were slow on, on the uptake for, for the, the product. So... I think about a year and a half after it, people got excited about it in the cafe, we only start seeing it, you know, appear on shelves. FMCG were okay, this is interesting. Let's try something. McDonald's came onto the bandwagon. Um, so AI Palette then serves as a way for FMCGs for for big brands to try and short circuit the process. They discover um, that people are interested in, in a particular food trend, and they they start working on products that potentially can be served to ride that wave. So that's that's a company that focuses on, on that. Um, as an investor, we've, we've uh, been around for 25 years now. So we have invested in a couple of companies in, in broadly egg tech, uh, egg food, sorry. Um, even before this term was, was big here in Singapore, so we've done, you know, restaurant, for example, restaurant AI um, ordering, even before it was a thing, um, so we've done a number of these things um, in the past, but we're, we're trying to ramp up. Um, and like, like I said, we, we don't just invest in Singapore. So a number of, a number of our investments are overseas as well. Uh, we invested in an Israeli company, for example, that does a uh, sugar replacement. Uh, uses a sweet protein to replace um, sugar. Um, tastes exactly like it. I tried it. Oh, wonderful. Um, and it doesn't have any insulin response. Um, so it, it's potentially going to be a life changer for, for diabetics oh. where the taste uh, of your drinks, your food doesn't change, uh, but you don't have any issues uh, in relation to diabetes. So we're, fingers crossed, very excited about, about that product. What's uh, it made yeah. from? Is it, is it a plant or is it through fermentation? What's it made from? Yeah, so it's, it's uh, from fermentation, but it's based off a, a sweet protein that's only found in Africa. Um, it's a fruit that's quite rare, very easily bruised, can't be transported, easily transported overseas. So um, they looked at the characteristics of that protein that's produced from this fruit. Um, they, they, you know, reject a, a bit of the protein, but interestingly, it's a non-GMO. 
um, and they, they ferment it then. Um, and that protein is added um, then to your drinks and to your food products. Um, you just need a minute amount of it um, because it's super sweet. It's three times, uh, three thousand times sweeter than sugar. Wow! So, yeah, um, it's, it's a product we're excited. Yeah, it's a product we're excited about. I'll have to look that up because yeah, that's you know people have been trying to solve that one for a long time. So that that's really exciting. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. So we're looking now, other than alternative sugar, we're trying to look at alternative fat, alternative salt, alternative, you know, anything that can help us be healthier, have the same food, have the food taste the same and um, it's cheap. So we're looking at things like that. Great insights from Benny. We will now hear from Fung Yok Un talk about building her vertical farm business, followed by Jimoto's global commerce company. So please tell me a little about yourself and your business. Okay. Well, actually, the chief driver of my farm is actually my husband, whom I call the chief farmer. He actually comes from an IT technology telco background. Uh, he's been there, doing that for like 30 years and he took an early retirement and he suddenly thought of uh, doing farming. Um, so he did prototyping for a couple of years in a small greenhouse space up in the north of Singapore. Um, I think with, with without actually a background in farming, you need to do a lot of trial and error, a lot of research. And that's what he started doing. Um, I've come from um, a marketing business development background. I was with a statutory board in Singapore called the Economic Development Board. Um, They promote a lot of investments in Singapore. I was there initially for a couple of years and then I did hit hunting for a couple of years. And I've actually been a stay-at-home mom for the last uh, nearly 20 years now and getting back to work right now. So when, when did the business start? When did you start? When did he first um, start it? We actually um, started um, doing a bit of market research uh, about 2019. We started to speak to some restaurants and people who were maybe interested to be our customers. And it was a real chicken and egg situation. You know, we approach a restaurant and they tell us, oh, okay, that's good. Do you have any samples? Can we come and see, you know? And they say, oh, we haven't started yet. <laughs> uh, but it was also very difficult for us to say, look, let's plonk in you know, a couple of hundred thousand to do this without actually knowing that the business is out there. But we went through this situation where we couldn't move on and we said, okay, we'll do this. And my brother, who is a uh, who owns actually his own law firm, decided to put in some money as well. So we decided to just start up. Um, and this was in late 2019. And we were in the midst of fitting out when 2020 came along in March and April and we were in complete lockdown. Um, So everything had to stop. Our contractors were stuck in Malaysia. They couldn't come out to Singapore. Uh, Equipment uh, couldn't come in. So basically, for the whole of 2020, our premises was just left empty. Um, We couldn't get restarted until late 2020. Um, so we basically really started up, well, we started planting late 2020, early 2021. So really effectively only January this year. So are you, are you supplying customers now or are you still in the, the testing phases? Um, we've gone through, I think two, three cycles now, and we've started, um, initially with planting our kale and that's done quite well. 
um, we are still talking to to restaurants, but I think in the time that my husband started prototyping five, six years ago till now, um, a lot of vertical urban farms have started in Singapore. Oh. Um, one or two have gotten very big, uh, but there are also very, uh, quite a number of small companies like us who started up in a small premises. Ours is about 3,000 square feet. Um, so there is a lot of players out there and it's getting very competitive. Um, and as we approach restaurants, you know, they come and tell us, look, we've got a lot of suppliers. Uh, pricing is a big issue for them. Um, so it's been a bit difficult to break into the restaurant market. So in the meantime, uh, we've decided to do uh, more of an online business. Oh. Um, we've, we've got, we're building our website right now. And I think what we would like to do is to do subscription boxes. So there will be a weekly box of five, six, you know, farmers picks of varieties. Um, we hope to get you on board. You know, if we do numerous orders, we'll do free delivery. There'll be a free pickup. And I think eventually we might also like to do a membership scheme where if you, if you pay a certain monthly or a yearly fee, um, you know, the price of the box will go down. There'll be sort of, you know, sort of different sort of uh, uh, concessions to it. So I think for a start, we'll do that because I think uh, it would be easy to get those numbers in for the for the for the beginning stages while we work on on uh, selected restaurants to market oh. to. How will you do the delivery? Is that will you do it yourselves, or is there a service that will do the delivery? For yeah, you? we've got we've got a vendor um, um, who come in to the delivery because we don't expect to be doing a daily delivery. You know, you, if you order the vegetables by Friday, Saturday, we'll deliver by Monday, and maybe another one for midweek. We also will offer a, a pickup service. Um, I think Singapore is very small, so it's not difficult to do deliveries. Yeah, yeah you know, you can't drive more than half an hour from one end to the other. So, yeah. And what are you mostly doing leafy greens or, or what all are you growing? At the moment we are doing, uh, we've got a lot of kale. We've got about three varieties of kale. We're doing curly kale, red kale, Toscano. Uh, we also have a lot of basil, uh, Mizuna, summer rocket. We do wild rocket. We've done some kailan, and we've also done strawberries. Strawberries, um, wow. Yes, Amazing. very difficult because they need lots of TLC. Um, yeah. We germinated in December and I think we saw the first fruit in March. It's not very consistent um, and it's actually one of the restaurants we provided samples to. They really liked our, our strawberries because they look at, um, like wild strawberries. They're not very even and the texture is a little bit unique and she wanted like a hundred pieces a week and we said we can't deliver. It's very difficult. Um, I think it's a showcase for a lot of farmers that they can grow strawberries in Singapore indoor. But I think to do a consistent uh, delivery and volume and of quality as well will be very difficult. So I think most greens, we, can, we do herbs, we can do herbs. Uh, we're doing also radishes. Uh, several varieties of lettuces. Um, we bring bok choy and uh, ice plant. So I think most leafy greens are, are quite, uh, they're growing quite well. Uh, we just need to get uh, the consistency of the cycles to make sure that every week we have five, six varieties growing and maybe to actually 
uh, change varieties on a weekly basis so that if you order a box from us, the next box will have two, three things that are different. Mm -hmm. That sounds great. Um, so are, do you plan to expand? Do you think you'll build a, another facility or is this, this just doing this one going to be plenty? Because we are kind of really at the first stage right now because ours is a vertical racking system. So right now we're only doing two, two levels, not even fully two levels yet. Uh, maybe half of two levels we can go up to four levels, um, but it will require lots of equipment in terms of actually going up vertically quite high. So I think we would like to see how the subscription boxes go. Um, I've started some uh, initial marketing on Facebook and on IG as well. So I'm trying to develop a sort of interest with it. So, I mean, for a start, we've gotten quite a good following right now. So hopefully when the orders come... We want to launch the website actually sometime this week so that you can order for next week. We plan to harvest in a week or two. So let's see how the numbers grow. I don't think we can do even 50, 60 boxes for a start because we haven't built up the volume um, and it will be sort of a step-by-step -step approach. Did you get any funding from the government? Is the government support businesses like yours or is it mostly friends and family that invested? Well, the Singapore government is actually on a, on a real campaign and mission now, and they have a, a 30 by 30 target um, to grow 30% of what uh, we consume. Um, I think COVID highlighted the problem that we are very reliant on food exports. And if there were to be another complete shutdown, I think it would be you know, very difficult. We can't stockpile a lot of food and especially perishables. We can't do that. Uh, we truck in a lot of our vegetables from Malaysia. Mm. Uh, we are very reliant on that. So when COVID happened, um, it was difficult. They had to, to, to find sources from elsewhere. Um, so the government has, uh, in the past years, has launched a $30 million grant to, to, get, uh, to help farmers uh, build up their production in Singapore. But as you know, we are very land scarce. Yeah. Um, so what they're trying to do is also to get the traditional farms to actually re-engineer themselves to do a lot of high technology farming. So it means uh, compact uh, spaces, but building up by using a lot more technology so we don't use a lot of labor, which is expensive in Singapore. So there's a very, very big drive. Um, we've approached Singapore Food Agency, who's the lead agency in Singapore to promote the sector uh, in terms of getting grants. Um, we are still in discussion with them, um, but they would like us to, to also prove that we have, we're have very uh, technologically advanced. Um, so you need to be able to put in parameters where you know, your use of lighting or your use of water um, has uh, uh, improved in terms of using technology. So your productivity improvements have to be there. So we are talking to them. So the government is very supportive, uh, but I think small businesses, um, uh, it's also difficult because we, we are on a starting up mode. We have to think about the business. And yet we have to put up this huge proposal to get uh, to prove to the government that we are very productive. We've uh, applied a lot of technology um, to actually get the grants. Uh, but in the last budget, in fact, the 30 million has already been used up because there are a lot of small urban farms now. I would, I would suspect there are about 10, 15 now. 
Mm. So it's a new new tranche of about 30, 40 million that they've put in the budget to uh for the sector. And it's not just for vegetable farming, but for fish farming and prawn farming as well. So there's a lot of aquaculture. Um, I think the fish farming has also you know, uh, advanced a lot in Singapore in terms of doing it in, in indoor spaces. Please tell me about yourself and your company. Um, so my name is Adrian and uh, I work for Demoto. I'm the Chief Operating Officer for Demoto. Uh, Demoto is a Singapore-based blockchain traceability company. Uh, we started in March 2019, so we're a little over two years old. Uh, and we have you know, developed a solution that allows us to use blockchain to track and trace produce from farm to table. Um, and primarily, you know, trying to solve issues like uh, you know, trade disputes uh, arising from the lack of data visibility in uh, our suppliers' trades, um, but also on the retail side, you know, helping retailers understand where their produce comes from, uh, and then also allowing them and empowering them with the tools to then be able to engage with the end consumers. Yeah. Great. So you have, there's so many services packed into that answer. <laughs> um, so who are, who are your main cu- paying customers? Like what part of the chain do people actually pay you and extract the value? And then can you tell us about some of the customers and then what are some of the services that people use the most? Yeah, great question, Bonnie. So, um, you know, actually that short introduction I had wasn't just, wasn't all the services that we provide actually. Um, But, you know, the main key customers that we target are are the ones, you know, who are actually supplying it. So the the, uh, farm producers or even a packing house, uh, exporters even, uh, because they are the ones that, you know, in the first place would get the most pain points. Uh, so I'll give you an example, right? So we have uh, several customers uh, out of, uh, you know, Europe, uh, Southeast Asia, but they do trades uh, with China, right? Um, so a lot of times so what they face is, you know, buyers from, from China would, you know, just uh, um, tell them that, hey, as a result of a quality issue, when we receive your goods, uh, you know, we're just going to write off 20% or 10% of credit note uh, just as claims, right? Um, but then the but yeah exactly and the suppliers would then be puzzled right because they're thinking wait wait a second I sent this in great conditions um, you know it's been a painstaking harvest season for us uh, we've put so much love tender loving care to you know ensuring that the products are great uh, sent that over and now you're telling me there are issues uh, and many times how do they tell you that there are issues they just send you know a couple of uh, WhatsApp pictures or you know some. Uh, some random images that, you know, it's, it can be a bit dubious in that sense because you don't really know exactly uh, where those images come from or which box they're talking about, et cetera, et cetera. So that just creates a lot more, uh, you know, confusion for the suppliers. And at the end of the day, uh, just to save the relationship with the buyer uh, and to ensure that, you know, their networks into those markets are stable, uh, they would, uh, you know, absorb those costs, right? But as you know, when, once you keep on absorbing these costs, uh, it adds up to your bottom line. Yeah. And especially now with COVID, like it's not like you could go visit and, and say, show me, mm-hmm. show me what happened. So that that's really interesting. And so when you go to make a sale, like you go to a supplier, and is that kind of what you lead with? You say this, this will help you um, handle those disputes. Is, is that the main selling point? 
Well, it really depends on uh, what our suppliers uh, or what our customers are looking for. Uh, so many times, you know, they might explain to us that, hey, you know, they don't have a traceability system. So, you know, then we come in and say, hey, here's, here's a full package traceability system that's on the blockchain. Uh, and we connect to the others on networks as well. Uh, but then there are customers who come in and say, hey, you know what, I've got issues with trade disputes. Can you help us solve that? Uh, now, there's another service that we do provide, um, which is really a value-added service as a result of being able to see uh, very clearly uh, the data points within your trade. And that's actually the financial services aspect, oh. right? Um, so, for example, if there is... So, I just uh, got off a call you know, yesterday with a, a, a new sort of a company that sells uh, blueberries and strawberries out of South Africa. Um, so really awesome branding, really awesome, uh, marketing strategies that they have employed, but really new company, uh, although they have, you know, 20, 30 years of experience in that industry, uh, collectively, um, but you know, they're at a stage where they really want to break out of just the South African market into the global markets, you know, either is it in China or Southeast Asia, um, uh, but they don't have the working capital to do that. Right. Uh, and as we all know, we're all, you know, tied down uh, to what the buyers or, you know, your end customers payment terms, which can be prohibitive sometimes, actually all the time uh, in doing more business. Right. Uh, so in, in, well, I can speak just for, you know, Singapore and Southeast Asia. Uh, typically we get, you know, in excess of 30 to 40 days, 30, 45 days uh, upon arrival uh, in terms of payment terms. Um, and that's something that, you know, uh, many of the suppliers worldwide in Europe and Americas uh, aren't too happy about unless you have a ongoing and long standing sort of relationship. Um, and because of those uh, long payment cycles, your working capital is locked up. And when it's locked up, you face a lot of issues uh, trying to grow and break out and compete uh, with your other competitors in the, that market as well. Uh, now then layer on issues like trade disputes and claim issues on top of that. And you can imagine your payment cycles are just going to get extended way beyond that 30 or 45 days, right? So where, where we come in, uh, Demoto comes in, is that we're able to help you digitalize your trade from farm to the table, uh, the entire you know documentation level, product level, uh, have that all visible on the platform. Uh, some of this information are put on the blockchain so that we can ensure transparency and trust. Uh, but the beautiful thing about you know having your information digitalized uh, on the platform now is that we invite you know financing companies. Uh, supply chain factoring companies, credit insurance companies to come in uh, to reduce the risk involved uh, from a payment defaults, for example. And then we finance either the supplier or the buyer, right? Uh, so something like, you know, if we supply, uh, sorry, if we finance the supplier, uh, what we would do is, you know, we would ensure that your products are tracked. We, we send those information to the financing company. Uh, the moment your goods arrive in good condition at the buyer's location, so, you know, up to 70 or 80% of the entire trade value uh, would be, uh, you know, paid to you upfront, right? So, what you can imagine, like, what, what, that, what that would do for your business if you're able to now unlock up to 80% of that trade value within the next day uh, and then roll that over for more trades. It's a great service. You mentioned a number of different regions and countries. Um, what is your global footprint? How many different countries are you working in? Um, I think, you know, we are, we're close to 
10, at least 10 countries. Uh, I can roll it off like a rep if you want me to. <laughs> sure, go ahead. I'm sure they're on the top of your head. <laughs> you know, in Southeast Asia, of course, yeah, Singapore, Indonesia, uh, Malaysia, Thailand. Uh, we're trying to make inroads into Vietnam right now. And, and, and the Philippines, we have a footprint there. Uh, and then East Asia, so in China um, and uh, Taiwan, South Korea and Japan. So we are really strong in that East Southeast Asia uh, uh, aspects. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're also from a from a supplier standpoint. You know, we uh, we have you know suppliers from uh, Latin America. So we got Mexico, Colombia, Peru, uh, Chile. Now we're trying to tap into Brazil as well. A uh, oh, huge gosh. market there. Yeah. Um, and then you know talking. Uh, about uh, Asia, sorry, you know, Pacific region, we've got Australia, uh, they're moving west, we've got uh, Africa, so South Africa, we're now doing a pilot of uh, uh, soybeans in Ghana. So that's exciting. Uh, And then interestingly, we're also now doing flowers uh, out of uh, Holland, right? So we are shipping uh, flowers from uh, Kenya to Holland and then onwards to, you know, the rest of uh, Western or Eastern European countries. Uh, And then, yeah, UK for sure. Mm Mm-hmm. So this uh, episode that I'm doing right now is on Singapore and and looking at Singapore companies and uh, trying to help the rest of the world understand what it what it's like to have be a business in Singapore. So why did you start your company there in Singapore? What what was the reason to start there? Because you were all there, or were there, <laughs> were there other reasons? <laughs> yeah, Bonnie, I think that's uh, that is the first and foremost reason, perhaps. Uh, you know that yeah, we're all Singaporeans. Uh, uh, Gary, the founder, you know. Uh, had you know runs and and it's still part of the board of uh, a fruits training company based in Singapore as well and that's that's sort of the natural progression for us to uh, continue being in Singapore. Uh, but I think beyond you know this obvious reason I, as well, I think Singapore is a great place uh, to start you know especially an ag tech company anything related to technology, um, and and that's really because you know of the sort of ecosystem that the Singapore government has really built you know over the past few decades. Uh, to support such innovations to happen around here. Uh, so it's not just from a financial standpoint, you know, where they, they give those you know, supports in the form of grants or, uh, you know, funds that we can tap into, uh, but even the sort of, um, you know, professional support, the intellectual support that happens around here, yeah, especially in Singapore, uh, it, it's something that, you know, is, uh, is very attractive for us to, to remain in. These three conversations are like dropping into what a good ecosystem can bring to a sector. Government support, private sector financing, smart entrepreneurs with all areas willing to take risks to support growth. I love that Singapore is both working at developing food for itself and also, as Benny says, developing technology for the rest of the world as well. That's it for this episode of PMA Takes on Tech. Thanks for allowing us to serve as your guide to the new world of produce and technology. Be sure to check out all our episodes at pma.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and I would love to get any comments or suggestions of what you might want me to take on. For now, stay safe, eat your fruits and vegetables, and we will see you next time.